0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: And good morning. Welcome to more of Healthy Matters, another open line show today. as I mentioned a bit ago, Dr. Hilden is taking the day off today. He will be back again next week. But Dr. Sam Ives, who's been a guest host here a number of times, filling in for Dr. Hilden, is is in studio. Dr. Ives works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine he has particular interest in medical education working with residents and medical students of course hematology and the social determinants of health dr ives has uh, and has answered your questions on a number of occasions here and it's good to see you again dr ives
0: thanks danny good to be back and um uh... You you have a T-shirt on today. You're you you're a tough Minnesotan. You are a true Minnesotan. Well, I'm sure I share this with many, you know, members of the audience. That you know, uh, my wife tends to run very cold, and you know, has about <laughs> seven blankets on her side of the bed. <laughs> And I tend to have just a T-shirt on on my side. So, you know, I'm, I'm well-equipped or adapted to this weather. Absolutely.
1: But on, on a serious note, you and I just briefly
0: uh, talked uh,
1: about it. And by the way, we'll open up the phone lines and the text uh, because it is an open line show. So your general health questions, both by phone and by text. Uh, have, uh, have you and your colleagues seen uh, any cases of frostbite yet? And I'm sure you're going to see it this week.
0: Uh, we have. And, you know, we have in even uh, less severe weather than this. So it is important to remember people who are outside. At this point, there's really not a lot of margin for error. So if you're outside and underdressed, uh, you can't be that way for very long. So it is very dangerous weather insofar as people who need to be outside, uh, making sure they have appropriate clothing.
1: Uh, is there? I hadn't planned on talking about this, but uh, given the forecast, but is there, and we've done shows about frostbite before. But uh, I guess the if your fingers, if you haven't had gloves on or they're not good ones,
0: and you're
1: feeling that numbness or whatnot, what's the best? Don't run them under hot water. I think is one thing not to do.
0: Well. Uh, Yeah, it's a little complicated depending on if you've actually sustained an injury. So if someone just has cold hands, you know, the hot water won't hurt in any way. But if they actually do have a frostbite, which is almost like a type of burn, then they they would need to seek medical attention to see how severe the burn is and what kind of treatment it is. If the hands are very painful or if the skin is kind of coming off the hands – um, it could be a sign of a type of a burn, and then that would require medical attention. Some types of severe burns are actually not painful. So uh, depending on the layer of the burn, you've, people have heard of first-degree or yeah. second-degree or third-degree burns. Some of those are actually not painful types of burns but are quite severe. Uh, Let me
1: uh, open up the phone lines, Dr. Ives, 651-989-9226. Again, it's an open line show. You drive the show. We're not talking any particular topic today. Uh, Or send a text,
0: 81807. You see one there? Yeah, so one texter wrote in. uh, I'm just going to jump from frostbite into something wholly unrelated. So someone wrote in and said, I'm on rituxan infusions. Rituxan is the brand name of a medicine called rituximab. I'm on these infusions for the rest of my life. How can I keep from getting infections with my lowered immune system? So rituximab is a medicine that suppresses the immune system, uh, which is used for, it's used for certain types of cancer, uh, and it's also used for some autoimmune diseases where the body's kind of attacking itself. So as a result, uh, it lowers your immune system and makes you more likely to get infections. Unfortunately, there is really no... Uh, No fail safe way to prevent this. Uh, What usually doctors recommend is having a very low threshold to be seen by medical care. Uh, And also, some people will just, you know, make sure to be very, very diligent with the basics with hand washing, with making sure to cover their mouth when they're coughing, to make sure when they're around others, they'll use hand soap and so forth to stay safer. So, it's very hard to just avoid getting a virus, as we all know, in the winter. It's
1: true. Uh, six, five, one, nine, eight, nine, nine, two, two, six. A lot of folks like the text method. That's eight, one, eight, zero, seven. In fact, Dr. Ives, it was earlier this morning. Uh, we, we got a text. You Can't see it now. Uh, but uh, the question was, uh, they got a flu shot in October and they were wondering, is it a good idea or not to get another one? Is it necessary to get another one before the flu season
0: ends? Yeah. So we typically don't recommend a second flu shot. Uh, Some people, I think as we've talked about on the show before, some people try to time the flu shot to peak flu season. Uh, There is a lot of flu around right now. So we are seeing a lot of that in the clinics and the hospital at Hennepin. But uh, if you've had a flu shot, it typically isn't recommended to get another one. And thank you for getting it. You're helping all of us. Absolutely.
1: Have you seen much flu at at the hospital?
0: We have seen some. Uh, It hasn't been so far the biggest year in recent memory. But that said, um, some of that may be due to the fact that the vaccine is working. So when you say, well, I haven't heard of a lot of flu, that might be a, a good thing, not a reason to regret getting the flu shot. It may be because... Uh, the we it takes a while to figure out how effective the vaccine is, so it could be that it's helping, and that's why we're seeing a little less. All right, uh, text number is eight one eight zero seven. You see another one there? Sure. Uh, so someone asked uh, our a couple quick questions. Someone asks, are bone density shots effective in an eighty six year old woman? And uh, this could mean a couple different things. So bone density or low bone density we call osteoporosis. So there are shots to treat this. One of the main, most common family of drugs are called bisphosphonates. You might have heard these that are called alendronate or uh, zolendronate. They all have the same type of name. There are some that are either given as uh, an infusion that can be effective in an older individual. So 86 would not age you out of this. There are also shots that are called teriparatide or a daily shot that can be used in that. So the age itself doesn't determine whether or not you would need this. And in fact, we know that osteoporosis is more common in your 80s than your 70s or 60s. So it might be more commonly used in that age. It would depend a little on what your goal is, what you've already been taking. Just like anything, if you're on seven meds, do you need an eighth one or not?
1: If you have a, any kind of a health question... Uh, Call it in or text it in. There's a line open at 651-989-9226. A a text number, 81807. Dr. Ives, the texter wants to know, how do you know if you have a hiatal hernia? And first of all, what is that?
0: A hiatal hernia is where part of the stomach kind of pooches through the diaphragm and is up in the chest. A hiatal hernia uh, can contribute to acid reflux or heartburn. However, just having been told you have a hiatal hernia doesn't mean you have acid reflux or heartburn or any problems from it. So uh, if you have a hiatal hernia, if it's very severe, it can be corrected surgically. But most of the time when someone has a hiatal hernia, which is causing heartburn, we'd recommend the same things, you know, lay off the spicy Mexican food. Um, Make sure not to drink a lot of alcohol or coffee. Make sure not to lie down right after eating. Things that would generally treat acid reflux or heartburn.
1: And it helps in some cases, I haven't heard it for a while, but to, to
0: raise the head of your bed up. That's right. So usually before medications for acid reflux, the first things we're recommending are how you eat what you drink, um, and raising the head of the bed where just by gravity it'll keep the stomach acid down. So those things are all free as opposed to taking a medication where it both costs some money and potentially has some side effects. I
1: had a friend who had that issue and he ended up having
0: surgery. Is that common? That's fairly uncommon actually for a a hiatal hernia or for acid reflux. Um, Some of our listeners might be able to say that when you have these conditions, they can be quite painful, but most of the time they can be managed without any surgery.
1: All right. Let's go to the phones, doctor. Linda is calling in from Burnsville, I believe. Linda, the doctor's listening. I have I have uh, anemia. I'm a senior. Um, my uh, family doctor is uh, did a complete uh, blood analysis and has told me I need to see a hematologist or uh An oncologist my my red blood cells have been increasing in size, and uh, she says that's why you need to see that specialist. Um, she said they just don't know why. sure, I have a low bone density. I had that done in in september i've had I've broken both my feet and uh I broken vertebrae in my back, so I'm prone for falls.
0: Well, let's see what uh, Dr. Ives has to say. Well, first, Linda, I'm sorry. It sounds like you've been through a lot in the last few months. Uh, You mentioned just a specific problem of the red blood cells being large. So anemia is the term that that means too few red blood cells, the most common reason being low iron. But uh, anemia due to iron deficiency doesn't cause small blood cells or it causes small blood cells, not big ones. When the red blood cells are big, we worry about nutritional problems like a vitamin called B12 or that something in the factory that makes the blood cells is abnormal. So what your doctor is recommending is seeing a hematologist because the bone marrow can have problems that causes the red blood cells to look funny or look large. And this is called Uh, The disease that they're going to be looking for is probably something called myelodysplastic syndrome, which is a fancy way of saying abnormal bone marrow syndrome, and that's something that the uh, blood doctor or hematologist would be testing.
1: All right. Thanks, Linda, for the call. Uh, Let's see who's next. Uh, Terry is calling from Crystal, I believe. Terry, you're on CCO.
0: Good morning. Morning. Question is, when you get your eyes dilated for your eye exams, how come you feel so freaking tired and exhausted afterwards? Okay, this is an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, I uh, we usually get to see the basic topic of the question, so this wasn't quite what I was expecting, but that's yeah. good. So, uh, when you're normally, we are able to focus up close and far away without much strain. So normally, we don't have to use the muscles around our eyes to focus because it happens <laughs> naturally. You can imagine, you know, when you have to focus on a newspaper or squinting for something far away, when you get your eyes dilated for an eye exam, uh, your body actually can't really focus well, and so those muscles are straining more than usual to try to get the uh, eye opening to open or close more to let in the right amount of light. So it causes fatigue because those muscles are tiny muscles. They don't get a workout at the gym every time we go. And when they do have to try to fight the effects of the eye dilation, they actually can't do it because the medication is so strong. So think of it this way. It's just like any muscle in your body. It'd be the same as if you went to do 200 sit-ups and hadn't done one and this was your New Year's resolution. The eye dilation is, for the eye muscles, a stronger workout than what they're used to. And that's why afterwards people often report headache or a sense of fatigue uh, just from that strain.
1: Interesting. I think one of the, the only thing I can recall after having my eyes exam, which I will be doing this week as a matter of fact, is if I forget my sunglasses and the sun is out and your pupils are dilated. It wow.
0: De- it depends on how much people are able to with their job or otherwise take a break during that period yeah. of time. So some people are able to relax or you know, take phone calls on the radio, but some people will try to <laughs> you know, focus on a computer even against their doctor's advice. That's a good point.
1: Text is 81807. There's a line open if you would like to fill it or send us a text. We're going to take a quick break here. This is an open line show on healthy matters. Dr. Ives filling in for Dr. David Hilden. Keep in mind, a winter storm warning goes into effect for the Twin Cities surrounding area three this afternoon until noon tomorrow, and then a wind chill watch. We could get four to eight inches of new snow Overnight tonight, that's besides the one to three we may get uh, earlier in the day today. You stay tuned to News Talk 830, WCCO 7 below zero now. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. Dr. Sam Ives is filling in for Dr. Hilden, who will be back next week. And, uh, boy, you can see, doctor, a lot of calls, a lot of texts. Let's see if we can get to it, who's been waiting. Bev in Minneapolis is first up here. Thanks, Bev. What's your question? Uh,
0: well, I have a question about dental surgery. Uh, I have to have some work done, and I went to the dentist. And after examining me and uh, uh, everything, and reading all my history, he won't do it because I have had a injection of reclassed
1: seven and a half years ago. And he said it's uh, it can do things, it can cause things, and it supposedly holds blood from the bones. Can you tell me anything about that? So, uh,
0: reclast. Thank you for your call. So Reclast is a medication for osteoporosis. And uh, one of the side effects that is very uncommon from these bisphosphonate medications like uh, Reclast is having poor healing of the jaw, so something called osteonecrosis, which sounds bad, of not the jaw not healing well. So your dentist's concern is that if you had tooth work done, that afterwards the jaw would not heal normally. So this is something that, you know, it's not an absolute contraindication, meaning someone couldn't have dental work done, but it gives people a little pause because they don't want to cause a problem as a result. So you could ask your dentist to say if another dentist might be willing to think differently of the problem. But obviously, since you've gotten the medication, there's no going backwards. We still, to emphasize, we still recommend these osteoporosis medications because uh, of the benefits of reducing osteoporosis and falls in the elderly. Okay.
1: Thank you, Bev. Uh, If you want to send a text, 81807. Dave is calling from Palm Springs, California. Dave Don't tell us the temperature. Just ask your question, please. All right. I won't rub it in. All right. Um, I received my first shingles vaccine shot in August, and I'm coming up on my six-month window here in February. We're supposed to have that second shot within six months, and they don't have any of the vaccine out here right now. Um, Is that going to be a problem?
0: So the, the caller is asking about the newer shingles vaccine, which is a two-part series. Um, people have heard advertisements for this. The brand name is Shingrix. Uh, I would, to be honest, I'd have to look up the specific protocol for this. Um, if you do want to look at information, Dave, on the internet, the CDC has a very nice website, so, the Center for Disease Control, if you look up shingles vaccine, it'll often have some of the specifics. Usually, uh, if there's a longer gap than that time, usually you can probably get the shot for many vaccines that are more than one part. Uh, but there are occasional ones where you need to restart the series. I would guess that the shingles vaccine, um, well, it would just be a guess. What I would say is that you need to just talk with that. I don't know the specifics of if it's over six months. If you could get one seven months later, that's probably the case. But I'm uh, dipping a toe in the water. So something that I would just myself, I'd read about in the clinic when I would be seeing a patient. All
1: right. Back to the tech screen. Uh, a texter wants to know what's the treatment for tachycardia. First of all, what is tachycardia?
0: Tachycardia is a fast heart rate, so the treatment for it depends on whether or not you know the underlying cause. So fast heart rate could be appropriate if we're exercising, but if someone has a persistent fast heart rate, the question is, is there some other problem that's causing it? So common things we would test are your thyroid, um, your heart itself. Is it squeezing normally? So if it's squeezing less, you'll beat faster to try to keep up. Any sort of breathing problem, so if you have low oxygen, your body will pump the blood faster to get more delivery trucks around. So the tachycardia itself is just a number. So we don't treat the number. We try to find the underlying cause. All right. There's another text about TB. Okay. So this has been in the news because uh, in Mankato, around Minnesota State, Mankato, there were several cases of tuberculosis. So the caller asks, what precautions should you take when a possible TB outbreak is said? How do you protect yourself from TB? So TB is typically spread from person to person via a respiratory spread, meaning that someone would cough uh, and it would be spread to one person's lungs from another. In general, the risk of tuberculosis from spread like that is very, very low. So the only situations where you'd be worried about an outbreak would be when you're in close quarters with someone. So if you were living in a dorm room with... For other people where someone was coughing and coughing, there'd be some risk. Otherwise, in the TB outbreak, you would really be low risk to get the disease. So people, everyone in Mankato who has a cough shouldn't be worried that they have tuberculosis. However, if they lived in a household or a dormitory with someone who was coughing and coughing and coughing, that would be some risk. Otherwise, just you know, being at the supermarket, you don't need a mask if you're down in Mankato. Okay. Very good. I think we have time. Uh, i tell you what, Patty, let, let's get Patty's
1: question answered or asked anyway. And then if we have to take a break, Patty, we'll finish up uh, after the top of the hour break. What is your question for the doctor, Patty?
0: Okay. Um, I've had diabetes for about two years. And recently I had a large eight-hour back surgery. And when I was coming out of that, I just about died because my blood sugar and blood pressure went so low. And it was you know, I just woke up for a minute in order to hear them say call her husband and uh I heard them say we can't get it above fifty so now I'm wondering when I'm I'm home, um when would I call a doctor or go to a hospital at what number of my um blood sugar. All right, I'll
1: tell you what, i will give the doctor a chance to think it over. You can hang on the line, Patty. And uh, we'll uh, take this break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. 651 989 9226. I do see a line is open if you'd like to fill it. Or if you'd rather send the doctor your text question, 81807. As far as the Twin Cities, we expect highs near seven above today. It's right now it's seven below zero. Winter storm warning goes into effect at three this afternoon. And good morning. Dr. Hilden taking the day off today. He'll be back again next week. Dr. Sam Ives, again, is our guest host, answering your questions. This is an open line show today. Uh, We're not talking about any particular topic. Dr. Ives is also an internal medicine physician, answering your questions by phone and by text. 651-989-9226. And the text number is 81807. As you can see, Dr. Ives, we have some of both. And before the break, Patty called in with a question and uh, you had time to think about
0: it. Yeah, so Patty's question was about having a low blood sugar in the setting of surgery and then how to manage low blood sugar at home. So the things to be aware of with low blood sugar is that the average person does not have to worry about this at all. So sometimes people will say, I'm worried my blood sugar is low because... I feel hungry or jittery. And if you don't have diabetes or take insulin or other medications, you do not have to worry about this. Your body's pretty good at adjusting blood sugar. So if I just skip lunch, my body will figure out how to keep the blood sugar normal. However, if you do take insulin or a type of pill called a sulfonylurea, like glipizide or gliburide for diabetes, this might make your blood sugar low as a way of treating the diabetes. So I would say to Patty, if you're taking insulin or certain medications, you want to review with your doctor what the control is like. And if it's too tight of control, you might sort of say, make sure that the blood sugar is not low. So sometimes if there's a concern about low blood sugar, we'll have someone check frequently. We'll make sure they're not on medications that are making it too low and have a close follow-up. So if you had this problem with surgery, it's really going to take review of the medications to see what the blood sugar is like throughout the day.
1: Thanks for waiting, Patty. Uh, Martha is calling from Arlington, I believe. Martha, you're on CCO with Dr. Ives. Good morning. Uh, You see ads to take vitamins to improve your brain health. Is this something to consider? Uh, Do your ordinary food vitamins take care of this? What is your opinion?
0: Thank you for the call, Martha. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have any medications that... uh, currently like vitamin or brain pills that are effective. So um, because so many people suffer from memory problems or dementia, it would be great if there were a pill. Unfortunately, there's no pill that currently vitamin or otherwise really helps your memory. So unfortunately, uh, most of these things are selling, uh, you know, taking a vitamin pill Uh, And to your point, most people are getting enough vitamins from their diet. So unless there's a special condition you have, like a stomach condition, most people don't need a vitamin at all. They're going to get enough vitamins from what they eat.
1: Okay. Uh, Let's see who's next. Then we'll grab some text messages. Tom is calling from Clearwater with a question. Uh, Tom, you're on CCO. Good morning.
0: Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I just got a question here. I uh, haven't been treated for AFib over the years. Uh, they had me on some antiarrhythmic sotalol, phleconide, amiodarone, metoprolol, and since then I've had I've had ablation. So the AFib's been fine. The question I have is, my allergies seem like they're a lot worse, uh, reacting to food and things like that than I've ever reacted before. What do those do to your immune system? Is there any correlation there? So Tom's question is kind of about two-part question. So one is, do the treatment for atrial fibrillation, a heart condition, do they have any effect on your allergies? And the answer is generally no. So someone with who's taking an AFib medication, they could have an allergy to the medicine itself, such as having a rash, hives, nausea, some sort of intolerance to the medication, but usually that those medications don't really affect the immune system over time. So if you take a blood thinner for AFib or a blood pressure medicine, usually that does not make your allergies worse. So I would think about maybe there's something new as far as an allergen that's bothering you as opposed to thinking it's related to the medication.
1: or send a text, 81807. Should we grab some text messages?
0: Yeah, so we had two text messages that are both about the same medication. That's omeprazole, or uh, the brand name for this is Prilosec. So someone asked about can the omeprazole cause severe or debilitating headaches, and I would say that that's actually an uncommon reaction. So it has been reported that people have had headaches from omeprazole, uh, but that's unlikely the cause the other question was, can omeprazole cause chronic kidney disease? And this is the case that it actually can. Uh, so over time, if you're taking omeprazole for months to years, I'm not talking about taking it for a week for a stomach ulcer. If someone's been taking this for months to years, it actually can contribute to kidney problems. So it's always useful for any medication when you see your doctor, if you take a list of medications, including this, to say, hey, do I still need to take this medication? It's always a good time to say, uh, when we're reviewing a medication list with a patient, to say, hey, you know, things change over time. Just because you were on a couple blood pressure medications, do you still need them? Just because you're on an acid reflux medicine, do you still need that?
1: All right. 651-989-9226. I see a line is open if you'd like to fill it. We'll go back to the phones. Uh, Dave is calling from Delano. Dave, you're on with the doctor. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, in the last seven or eight years, I've had four treatable bouts of diverticulitis, and I've been treated with the, the usual regimen of Metro and Cipro for seven to 10 days. Now, I've had, on two of those occasions, I've had back-to-back treatments because infection wasn't cleared up. And I was just told uh, 10 days ago that if it doesn't clear up this time, I should go to the emergency room. What would they do for me in the emergency room?
0: So thank you for the call, Dave. So diverticulitis is a condition where there's uh, inflammation and infection of the intestine, and it usually presents with people who have fevers and abdominal pain. Uh, it is more common as we age. So the treatment you mentioned is antibiotics. So in general, the ones you mentioned, cipro and met- ciprofloxacin and metronidazole, are antibiotics. In severe cases where the infection isn't treated, someone actually may have intestinal surgery to remove the infected part of the intestine. Uh, I wouldn't say, in your case, the main concern is that someone can get quite sick from the infection. So if they're on antibiotics and still having fevers or chills a few days later, we would just be worried that the infection isn't controlled, that someone has what we might call sepsis, where they have fevers or are getting sicker. So the first treatment would be to get IV antibiotics. And in severe cases, diverticulitis is treated with surgery. So I just keep an eye out for worsening belly pain, ongoing fever, or chills. If those are the case, you need to seek medical attention.
1: All right, Dave, thanks for the call. Uh, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's see if you can find another text. We have a bunch of those, uh, and let's see what you can find there.
0: All right. One person asked, uh, I've been told that I have low T or low testosterone and need therapy. What are the concerns with this somewhat new therapy? So in general, most people don't need to be tested for testosterone levels. Um, In men, testosterone levels drop as we age. But unless you're really having symptoms from this, this isn't something that needs to be treated. Replacing testosterone can increase your risk for heart disease, among other things. So it is important to talk to your doctor about the benefits and risks of this. I'd need to know more specifics to give you advice about should I be treated or not. But it is an area where we don't have a lot of long-term data, so you want to proceed with caution.
1: Now, the text says, about a month ago, I lifted something heavy. The area around my elbow has been sore since then. And when I lift anything, is there a chance I tore a muscle? What do you think?
0: Uh, it sounds more likely that what's more common is that the tendon is bothered rather than the muscle itself. Usually when you tear a muscle, you would have a lot of swelling at the time, a black and blue area where there would be bleeding around the joint. So it would be more common to have tendonitis or inflammation of the tendon. There are ways to brace the elbow. So you've heard of have someone having tennis elbow, and there is a brace that could support this area. So I'd check it out with your doctor and see if just wearing a simple brace or doing physical therapy might help. I'd worry less about a muscle problem.
1: 651-989-9226. A line is open if you'd like to take advantage of that, or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. Catherine is uh, calling from Blaine with a question. Catherine, what is your question? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. My question is, I take trying try answering uh,
0: H-C-T-Z. is H T C I'm sorry, it's a, it's
1: a diuretic kind of thing. It does that, is that known to cause diabetes if you take it too long, doctor? I've been told it does, so I want to make sure that
0: I know what I'm talking about. Sure. So the caller is taking triamterene and hydrochlorothiazide, which is usually abbreviated by doctors to HCTZ. It's a very, very common blood pressure pill. Uh, you are right that over time, um, HCTZ does raise the blood sugar slightly. I think it's an overstatement to say it causes diabetes because in most people, if it raises your blood sugar from a normal level to a little bit higher, it won't make you diabetic. In some people who are right at the borderline of diabetes, it may, you know, uh, put you over that edge. Most of the time, there are a lot of different blood pressure medications, including this HCTZ with triamterene. So I talked to your doctor to say, you know, would you rather be on a different medication? But usually on balance, um, we don't take people off of this because of this relatively uncommon side effect. So it may raise your blood sugar. That's correct. To say that it's causing diabetes is a little bit different. It raises the blood sugar slightly, but it, in and of itself, it's not going to take someone who's normal and healthy and just instantly give them diabetes.
1: All right, doctor, we need to take a quick break here. Thanks, Catherine. 651-989-9226. Uh, text is 81807. Keep in mind, uh, here around the Twin Cities and surrounding area, a winter storm warning goes into effect this afternoon at 3 o'clock, goes until noon tomorrow. And then dangerous wind chills come up Tuesday through Thursday. You stay tuned to CCO. A few clouds now. Uh, Twin City temperature reading. We're heading for 7 above, but right now it's 8 below zero. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. This is, again, an open line show. That means your phone calls and uh, text messages the rest of the way. If you just join us, uh, Dr. Sam Ives is back, uh, filling in for Dr. David Hilden, who will be back next uh, Sunday morning. In the meantime, as you can see, Dr. Ives, a lot of calls, a lot of text messages. Uh, Should we, i tell you what, let's do this. Let's take Jan's call in St. Paul, then we'll find some more uh, text messages. Go ahead, Jan. Thanks for calling. What's your question? Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a prolapsed bladder, and I just heard you say that omeprazole might have something to do with the kidneys. Is this this omeprazole the the cause of the prolapsed bladder?
0: Uh, so, no, the, just to clarify, if you're taking omeprazole for years, it can affect your kidney function a small amount, uh, So, but in general, it has no effect on a bladder or a prolapsed bladder in any way. So this is a separate sort of anatomic problem where the bladder is prolapsed or not in its normal place, but un- unfortunately, this is not something that would be related to the use of omeprazole. A lot of medication
1: questions today. Uh, thanks, Jen. John, I think may have another one. John, go ahead. The doctor's listening. Hello, John. Yes, good morning. I have a 25-year-old son in a group home. He's got different diagnoses, but he's, uh, he's verbal, ambulatory, uh, pretty active. I'm concerned that he's over-medicated. I'm not uh, sure. You know, what, John, I'm going to put you on hold. We're having uh, phone uh, issues. I think your cell is is fading in and out, so we we can't really hear. Give us a call again,
0: uh, and we'll give it another uh, shot. But we do have a bunch of text messages. Yeah, so one texter asked, my cholesterol has been high for years. Now Lipitor was advised, or the medicine called atorvastatin, but I wonder, is it bad to start and stop it myself? So controlling cholesterol is something that you do over months to years. So if you came off of it, let's say you ran out of your prescription and then restarted a week later, that wouldn't be bad. It doesn't cause any side effects to start and stop beyond the fact that if you have very high cholesterol and you stop the medicine, it'll go back to being very high. The medicine doesn't cure the problem as much as keep the cholesterol low. But these medicines do reduce the chance of different uh, cholesterol-related complications All right.
1: uh, Text number, by the way, and I know we have a bunch of those. Let's see how many we can field. 81807.
0: Yeah. So someone asked, uh, someone took chemotherapy with uh, carboplatin and paclitaxel. And for years after chemo, my hips would ache a lot, especially when I woke up. It's better now. What causes the pain after chemo? So, the chemotherapy medications are very toxic to different cells, and what they're also killing is the cancer cells. So they particularly damage certain types of cells like nerve cells. So often you'll hear people having neuropathy or nerve pain from this. And it can also cause rapidly dividing cells like your hair. That's why people's hair will fall out or some other problems. So the chemotherapy is strong stuff, but that's what's needed to treat certain types of cancer.
1: All right, we have time, I think, for a couple of other uh, text messages. Can you find one there?
0: Sure. So someone asked about kidney disease has come up a few times, and someone said, Mm. I have stage 3 kidney disease. What does it mean, and should I see a specialist? So when you have kidney problems, uh, they can be divided into how severe. So the least severe is called stage 1 kidney disease, and it goes up from there to stage 5. Stage 3 kidney disease is around where we would consider having a patient see a kidney doctor or what's called a nephrologist, but it depends a little bit on your age, other conditions, and how rapidly the kidney problem is progressing. So if your kidney function was going downhill over a couple months, we'd be more concerned you need to see a specialist than if it's changed a teeny tiny bit over 15 years We're worried a little bit less. So what really matters is why your doctor thinks you have kidney disease, how rapidly it's changed. But at stage three, some people may see a specialist. All right. uh, Let's see. Uh, Can we grab one more here before we run out of time? Sure. So this last person asks, uh, what causes a person who takes metformin during supper to suddenly fall asleep within five to ten minutes? Uh, And they say their blood sugar is normal. Uh, I would say that metformin itself isn't typically a cause of falling asleep suddenly. So it's a common medication for diabetes, uh, but it is not typically a cause of someone falling asleep. So I would wonder if the reason you're falling asleep relates more to the diabetes itself than to the medication of metformin. So it's something to ask your doctor about.
1: Uh, a texter came in, in fact, it was before you came in this morning, doctor, asked about, we talked about a flu shot. Is there still time, should a person who has not received a flu shot
0: still have time to get it? There is still time to get it. And so the flu season, we don't really know. It's, it's peak flu season now, but we think that the flu shot is still going to have a benefit uh, going forward because a few weeks later, you'll really be getting the immune effect of that. And flu season goes all the way through the spring. So it's not too late to get a flu shot.
1: And be careful out there this coming week because we're to, we're approaching some really dangerous wind chills out
0: there. Uh, please be very careful. Yeah, it's definitely a time to uh, have appropriate attire. dress appropriately.
1: Yes, there's no. What do they say? There's no bad weather, just bad clothes. There I you go. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Ives. Thank you. Good to see you again, Doctor Sam, Sam Ives, filling in for Doctor David Hilden. Speaking of uh, which, Doctor Hilden has some great guests and topics lined up for 2019. I Hope you can stay with us and a few other fun surprises for the 11th year of Healthy Matters. Kind of hard to believe. To stay in touch with what's happening each week, check out MyHealthyMatters.org. That's MyHealthyMatters.org. And if you're on Twitter, follow him at Dr. D.R. David Hilden. D.R. David Hilden. In the Twin Cities, expect a winter storm warning to be coming into effect at 3 this afternoon, lasting till noon tomorrow. Right now, a few clouds. It's 8 below zero in the Twin Cities. And then that wind chill uh, watch comes in uh, from Tuesday till Thursday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.